Welcome to I'm From the Internet, a podcast about somethingawful.com, the goons, and their consequences. I'm Chicago designer Winslow Dumain, and I'm sitting here with internet historian Jay Brandsetter. Jay, how have you been? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm moving to Atlantic City. I've, this is my first time announcing it on the podcast. Uh, my, my new job is doing really well. I'm actually officially going full-time in person, so I've broken my lease. And in mid-August, I'm going from Jacksonville, Florida to Atlantic City, New Jersey. So I'm going from one punchline to another. I'm very excited yeah, about that. Yeah, that is very much a lateral move. <laughs> That's great. Now that'll be fun. It's it's uh, it's funny that you just started your Florida Man series, and now you are <laughs> no longer going to have any points of reference. I suppose you could eventually do a New Jersey thing and just do stuff about Springsteen, or no, I'm, I don't know anything about else about New Jersey. I'm, I'm going to be like Blippy. I'm going to rebrand from like a Florida guy to a New Jersey guy, and then just delete all the old stuff. Exactly. Well, it sounds like we have a. Special guest here today. Hello. You want to bring us in? Uh, you want to explain <laughs> who we have here today, Jay? Yeah, I'm very excited. We have um. So in the past, we had Cole Ross on as a guest on our um on our Goon Island episode, and we have the other half of Duckfeed TV on here, Gary Butterfield. That's right. I'm collecting the Duckfeed boys like Pokemon. So hey. hopefully we can get uh, get Hugh and Jeremy Greer and some other ones on here later, so I can uh, catch them all. Yeah. Getting all of our ducks in a row. Hey. Uh, hey. All right. I'll put in a good word for you with those guys. <laughs> Yeah, I like uh, you can turn into a Springsteener as a as a thing for Atlantic City. It sounded like a German word for Springsteiner. It's like a German compound word for like when you really like like when you really like a song, even though aesthetically it looks like yeah. it wouldn't be your thing. Well, the E Street, there was a lot of turmoil when the E Street band and the wall fell between the W Street band uh, and then they uh, they managed to reunify. Yeah, and so Gary, if you want to maybe uh, introduce yourself to our listeners, just tell us a little about a bit about yourself uh, and what you've accomplished. Because I'm very excited. You're one of my oh. role models, literally, oh. like in terms of being a podcaster. So it means uh, a lot you. to have you on here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, I'm Gary Butterfield. I am a podcaster with DuckFeed.tv, which covers uh, largely video games, but also uh, other pop culture goofy stuff. Uh, I've been doing the podcast for about 11 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, in that time, uh, you know, we, we, uh, it was a slow and steady road, but we're in a good place now and a uh, very healthy working relationship and, uh, healthy, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing it, which feels great. It's a real dream job thing. Very lucky. Lucky boy. Definitely. And they have oh, so many different shows. So you have nothing else. Check out Duckfeed TV. There's probably going to be something to your liking there. I, uh, they do, they have some, like some, like a, they have like a, a TV, uh, Breaking Bad watch along. There's a Dark Souls themed one. There's the Game Club podcast, Watch Out for Fireballs, Abject Suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, Winslow actually contributed to the Binding of Isaac card game. So I should mention that there's a Binding of Isaac podcast that you do with Will Hughes from, um, the, from The Onion, uh, Everything to Guppy, which you don't have to, you don't have to know anything about, yeah. about Binding of Isaac to enjoy because it it's very weird and very fun. Yeah, we don't, it's, we made it hard to sell. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. we do, it's, we don't talk about the Binding of Isaac until we do. Because uh, we we both have have you know thousands of hours in it, so ostensibly we're talking about the game, but it's really like a playground for emotional violence. Um, oh yeah, it's it's yeah. very good. I, I, there is so much media I will never watch, but I've listened to complete commentaries of just because that was like an episode of everything to Guffy. Like, yeah, sure, I've never watched Gallivant, but I will listen to them. Talk about it. <laughs> I'll I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell Will that uh, Gallivant had some inroads there. Yeah, uh, I, I will say though you are in you are in a sort of a dangerous territory there though because I am a Kingdom Hearts fan. So oh, the KHC <laughs> is coming. I, uh, That's right. Yeah, the um, I will uh, I will try not to relate that to the meat shoes 
Even though you could fit a lot of meat in Sora's ludicrous, uh, yeah, his, his gigantic clown shoes. Yeah, his his gigantic clown <laughs> shoes for his big meat feet. Um, no, this is the horniest episode we've had yet. I think. Buckle up! <laughs> Buckle up! I uh, I don't oh, pretend yeah. not to be puerile. So let's go. Today's episode is one that uh, just I want to write the sky. I want to write this title in the sky on gossamer threads and rainbows. Hulk Hogan meat shoes. One of my favorite weird, dumb, like something awful things ever. And the fact that Hulk Hogan fucking sucks, and we all know this, only makes it funnier. So by all means, this is not. This is a pro anti uh, Hulk Hogan show. By all means, it's not going to be warm and about. respectful. The, uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is the, the tone I was expecting. Hulk Hogan meets you sounds like a TKO, like that Jackbox game. Uh, image like somebody would have a shirt of that, you know, and then there'd be like it, an off-brand just... Sonic crying next to it or something like that. <laughs> it makes me think of that XKCD comic from a million years ago about like it, you you need to have a complex password that's also memorable, and so you just pick four random words, and I think the, the four words he picked was like correct horse battery stapler or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like an impossible to crack password, but it, it's so long, but it's also very memorable. Hulk Hogan meat shoes is just like, is like a perfect password and also a, a born identity activation. Yeah, I was going to say activation phrase or a seller door competitor in terms of like most beautiful and constant yeah. set of syllables. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Move over, Selador, Selador. Get the fuck out of here for sale. Baby shoes never worn. This, this yeah. is the new uh, sequential sequence of words. But that how is, that were is they cute. worn, and what did they do? This product answers the <laughs> baby, questions. This the baby was too big, and that baby was know. Hulk Hogan. Yes, well, that's the question. Is was there any meat in those baby shoes? <laughs> the, the, yeah. That's, that's why they could wear to the baby. Yeah. The, uh, we couldn't get our foot in there. This starts uh, on October 11th, 2007 in GBS. Uh, someone posted a thread titled, Does anyone remember Hulk Hogan's shoes? And uh, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> So that is, that is where pe- the thing that is attracting people to this thread. So seeing that prompt and going, I must know more. Uh, this I'm going to read the OP, uh, Logan, with four O's. So here we go. I would like to apologize in advance for the shitty thread. Somewhere between 1992 to 1995, I would say, I remember a commercial of Hulk Hogan advertising a certain pair of shoes. Inside the sole, there was a drawer-like compartment in which one was supposed to keep small pieces of meat, such as beef jerky or ham. This meat would be kept warm while they walked. I have asked roughly 20 people if they remember this product. None of them do. Someone suggested that due to the outrageousness of the product, it's possible that I'm remembering a spoof commercial from Saturday Night Live. That is most definitely a possibility, but I remember seeing this commercial on more than one occasion. Certainly, my seven-year-old self couldn't have, been, couldn't have been having reoccurring dreams of Hulk Hogan shoes. Help me, Internet. Here is a picture of what I vaguely remember it to look like. And then they include this very good MS Paint drawing, which now has a photo bucket watermark on it, of a, of a Winslow, you're our, you're our word painter, so if you could describe this illustration here. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, oh. uh, the classic. It, it's it makes me think of uh, the shoes that the main teenager wears in the Zitz cartoon, and uh, the you know the comic in the funny pages because it is uh, it it is a, a 
black and white drawing of uh, a sneaker with some, you know, the laces across it and everything and the big fat tongue coming out. And uh, there's a little white part up top. It is entirely, it's like a wireframe drawing of some sneakers done it all in MS Paint. Now, uh, what's funny is that the drawer has like a 3D depth to it that's coming out of like the side of the shoe. And inside is just this ambiguous red shape. Uh, there's also arrows indicating the drawer it's comes in and out. Yeah. And, yes, and and there's also an arrow pointing at the meat that uses the Dampfplatz <laughs> uh, uh, German Nazi font, which is funny because they actually called that the Jew font, and that's why they made Helvetica. Yeah. But we can get into font yeah. lore later. But um, so we have the the, the very Germanic looking font that just says meat, and it's pointing at it. But but the fact that it's all black and white except for the, like the drawer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's like it's, Pleasantville. Uh, it's the thing that's enlightening yeah. us and bringing color to yeah. our world. The, the Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan biopsy sample yeah. in that drawer. The meat from Diablo oh. with the font. I, I was just thinking that it's more like when you can clearly see which object is going to be interacted with in an oh, old Scooby yeah. cartoon. Yeah. You know what I mean? This like part it's of the, the wall one is going to Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's like, the one crypt that's going to open up and a skeleton's going to sit up. Exactly. It's very good. Yeah. And also in the first post, I love the thing about him saying I asked roughly 20 people. Like imagine this someone walking up to you and asking you this. It means your friends don't have a good sense of humor because like if one of my friends came up and they were like, hey, man, do you you remember Meat Shoes? Like there's this thing Hulk Hogan did. Uh, I'd dine on that. That would be like, oh, was your friend the Grink there? But for the rest of my life, you know, and this just these people just let this guy get away with it. and He's still posting. You know, this guy did not get roasted into oblivion. What's what's funny is I just recently made a post, uh, and this is completely real. I might have mentioned it last time, um, where when I was a little kid, I went to Chinatown, and I had, um, I was with my parents, and they got us a, well, uh, I was with my mom, and there's a big bin of this, like, random Game Boy game sticking out. And I think I had a Game Boy Color at the time, and I picked one up. And at this time, I think only Pokemon Red, Blue, and I maybe Green or Yellow had come in, come out yet. Um, and I pick up a copy of something called Pokemon Diamond, and I had no idea. I had never heard of that in my entire life. And I was like, "Is this some sort of like pre-release that I somehow am I the first person to know about it?" And I buy it, and I I start it up, and. I, I didn't know then, but I know now that it is a a bootleg Pokemon game with just a whole bunch of, like, random glop monsters. But you could give them guns, and uh, the second town in the game was a place called Vagina Town. Uh, and it yeah. was, like, a really violent, fucked-up, weird Pokemon. And I've told so many people about this. In fact, I saw somebody send uh, a... a <laughs> letter to EGM magazine back in the day. Um, and it was just about this exact thing. It was like, you know, you could give them guns and it was like a, a weird evil uh, Pokemon. Um, and EGM was like, no, this is, this is crazy. You know, you're hopped up on goofballs or whatever is what their, their actual response was. And I was so fucking mad. I was screaming at the wall. No, this is a real goddamn thing. Um, and I posted this on my stories 
And then a while uh, goes by and I get somebody that actually says, oh, no, there's actually a Wikipedia of all of the different Pokemon games. And uh, this was one of the ROM hacks from back in the day. Fascinating thing that you could just do all of that from your house. Phenomenal. But you can, I think you can get it online. I haven't tried to find it yet, but I'm pretty sure it's available online I wish somewhere. I could find the clip of it, because I remember seeing once like a news report where it was like about parents talking about Pokemon being controversial or whatever, and they showed the clip, and it was that they had a bootleg copy of Pokemon, and when they started it up, it was like the Crackers logo screen with like an angel with tits on it, and that was what they were complaining <laughs> about. I was like, I'm sorry, you, you can't lay this at the feet of the Pokemon company. That's a, that's a buyer beware situation right there. Pokemon Knife Edition. While we're on the Pokemon hack distress, yeah, I would this is one of my favorite Pokemon hacks ever and also my favorite bootlegs ever. You can actually buy this on AliExpress. This is what the cartridge looks like. It's called Pokemon <laughs> Knife Edition, and the bootleg of it is literally like a stock photo of a kitchen knife with the Pokemon <laughs> logo over it. And what it is, is it's just Pokemon Red or Blue, except when you press the select button, if there's an NPC in front of you, they disappear and your character sticks a knife out. So you can just break the game by killing everyone. It's it's such a... I love that type of silly juvenile ROM hack where it's just like a shit post in game form. That's great. Oh, that's great. So yeah, this today's episode is brought to you by AliExpress, your one supply for all your bootleg cartridges. <laughs> Real quick on the drawing, the the one thing about this shoe as well is it might just be because of Roger Rabbit has been in the news lately, but it kind of looks like it's got a face, and if it has a face, it's smirking. The yes. the line on the front of the shirt, the shoe oh, is like, yeah, I got a meat secret. Like it's it's a real, <laughs> it's the kind of face you'd make if you had a meat a secret meat compartment like that. For Diablo meat. I mean, I'm from Nebraska. We all got meat secrets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah MidwesternMeatSecrets.com. Let's do it. Let's upload our consciousness to it. <laughs> Firing off my meat-seeking missile. Yeah. Move over, FarmersOnly.com. Yeah, uh, more specific. Yeah. More specific. So moving on, the reactions. Um, you know, as goons are wont to do, people, uh, some people kind of come out swinging. Uh, Gary, if you could read Mr. G's post there. Certainly. I think you just ate a lot of paint chips when you were a kid. Either that or saw some comedy sketch show. Terry Hogan would never endorse a product like that. I'm going to take issue with that statement because there has never been a product that Hulk Hogan meant that he would not uh, he would not endorse for money. Like we've all seen the pasta mania. The pa- pasta mania. This is also around the time in the 90s when I, I saw him in person on the set of Thunder in Paradise. Uh, his show oh, about him fighting crime with a boat uh, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> the one whose pilot episode was him fighting as part of the Confederate army in a Confederate <laughs> army in a reenactment. Yeah, this, being this like explicitly pro Confederate. Yeah. yeah, history will bear this out by the time this goes to air. Uh, I imagine a lot of big changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude's rock. Yeah. Also, so this is 2007. So this is also when his reality show Hogan Knows Best was airing. Did any of you have the misfortune of being exposed to that show while it was airing? Because my family loved that show, so I got to see a lot of Hogan Knows Best. And let me tell you, if you ever want to see Hulk Hogan being uncomfortably sexual to his 18 year old daughter that looks exactly like his wife, uh, Hulk, Hogan Knows Best will give you hours of that. I I, I find Hulk. This is maybe a, a bad time to bring this up. I find Hulk Hogan difficult to look at and think about. I think he oh, yeah. looks like a little bit, uh, if you ever see the movie Midsummer, there's a part where they queen her or crown her as the May Queen, and there's a pulsating fly covered, like, tan chunk in the middle of the dining table, which is what I think Hulk Hogan is, but with a blonde wig, like a jinx. I think he more or less looks like a jinx, not trying to bring it back to Pokemon, but he's just, uh, he's too glazed. He looks like an aspic to me. Yeah. Too smooth. Yeah, I've I, very much like uh, a football. Yeah, you know, or like, or like a football a, phone. he's like a sofa. 
a, a sofa that's racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I always think that when I go to like old dan- antique stores, it's always just like, wow, look at all this old stuff that is somehow racist. <laughs> like they, they were making cookie jars and they were like, all right, we love cookies and we got to put them somewhere. What if we put it inside a, weird effigy of a type of people we used to own yeah. like wh- how did this oh, how yeah. did we come to this conclusion yeah, yeah. No, the whole Hogan. when i look at him for the past 20 years like he reminds you of once i saw like you know there's like this whole world where people are really weird about placentas like out like as part of like oh yeah, yeah for sure where someone made a, someone made a teddy bear out of the placenta of their placenta and he mm. looks like the, te- the placenta teddy bear that is what but he like leather like. like cured like yeah that, like it was but, a cured placenta like yeah. that's what he looks like if, if he just, I'm not like saying flesh. that's a body shame. No, <laughs> just, no, no. If, yeah. if he just looked like flesh, it wouldn't be a thing. But he looks like um, he's he's so tan and leathery uh, and aging in such a weird way, and yet so blonde, you know. And like, but you know, you see a blonde person, you don't see it very often. It's a little weird. The tanner they get, the weirder it gets. And he's all of those sliders maxed out. He looks like a Dark Souls three character creation like bit mm-hmm. to me. Uh, there's just he's a really unpleasant visually, and he's a bad person. So I feel good about all this. So uh, in answer to the question, like I haven't I, seen that show because I was like, oh, look at this dude. I'm good. Like I'll do anything else, you know? <laughs> okay. Is, you know. Speaking as like a slender white man, uh, I, I fully am on board with like, don't body shame people. Um, like all inclusively, if you can't control it, don't shame somebody for their body. Right. Like mm. if for, for size or for any of that stuff, like just leave, like just don't be a dickhead. Right. However, if you go so far out of your way to look like a thing, to look like a very specific thing, we can criticize the 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 thing that you are trying to look like. And spending, like the, spending more money than any of us will ever have in our lifetimes put together to look like that right. in the process. Yeah. Like the Bogdanov brothers, those yes. like fake scientists. Cryptids? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah those, 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 those yeah. Parisian cryptids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you've gone so far out of your way to look like that. Are you really saying that I can't stop and go, Hey man, what's, what's this? This is weird. <laughs> Where are you going? Yeah, like, I'm pre- like I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure JC Denton shot those two guys in the catacombs. Yeah. Like they look yeah. that weird. They, they look like the they're unreal. Video. Characters. Yeah. Weird, weird rotting yeah. puppets. Back to the topic of these beef ideas. Yeah, and, and another type of joke that the goons do is they kind of run with the concept of wrestler, weird wrestler uh, clothing tie-in. So, uh, Winslow, if you could read Miho's post there. No, but I do seem to remember a commercial where the Ultimate Warrior was selling shorts with an extra pocket in the crotch to keep your fried chicken warm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him. You got to keep it warm somehow. You know, I, I'm going to argue you don't. The crotch is nature's pocket. I, I, I'm going to argue that uh, traveling with meat doesn't happen nearly as often as uh, as these these products are, are presupposing. You know, like if, okay, if so we got a domestic meat guy, I'm here. a domestic meat guy. I keep my meat at home. I keep my meat hot at home. Uh, if uh, you know, if I'm going to eat meat, I'm near somewhere to reheat meat. It reminds me that there's a guy I knew. Uh, in my... <laughs> That's the poll quote that we're going to use to cancel you. Somehow <laughs> the, 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 uh, it's a Nazi thing. Eat meat. Yeah, like, Gary Butterfield eats hot meat. 
Um, <laughs> the, uh, when I was in click here now in, in college age, I knew a guy who we were walking uh, from a bar, and he's like, "Hey, hold on a second. And he pulled a whole sandwich out of a out of a set of bushes that he had like stashed there, <laughs> like like a gun in a mafia movie, like behind the toilet. Like he had a stash, like Gustavo Fring. Uh, and I that was young, so I didn't think about. It. I was just like, "Oh, what the hell, man!" Uh, I didn't I didn't think about food safety and stuff. I, I but I I've, that's always influenced me as a you know eat at, eat at home. Eat at tables. Eat on chairs. So you weren't even like at a concert or something where you ha- where it was like you would ostensibly have a benefit to hiding food beforehand. They just had like they just have like stashes around. Like I I never. So that's, I was, that's the premise of Stalker, isn't it? it? It's real. <laughs> stuff. You just find you diet sausage. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, I was real drunk. It was during my drinking days. So I don't. I didn't ask the right questions. If if I could quantum leap back into my own life, uh, that'd be a great day to come back and just be like, okay, I'm going to pull this dude aside and figure out what the fuck this is. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely like one of those fun, like, wasting your time travel past things. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, sure, I would kill Hitler. Let's try it. It never works out in fiction, but, like, I don't know, worth a shot. Holocaust was bad. Um, but I would I would probably mostly do that and buy old magic cards, uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Well, I think, <laughs> like, you know, so. Go back in time and befriend Hitler. And then go on a, a big walk with him. And as you're walking, pull out like a sausage roll from behind like a heap of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then eat it. And as he's going, yeah. you pull out your Walther and you just ice the motherfucker. Yeah. Just yeah. like that. It's like of mice's men, uh, mice's men. Tell me about the sandwich, Gary. Nine! Yeah, see, I'm an enlightened person. Most people would kill Hitler. I go back, I teach him to play Magic the Gathering. Now, all of a sudden, we're, we're making him a better person. Now, instead of becoming a dictator, he just becomes a just becomes a collectible card player, which we all yeah. know are great people that never do anything bad. The, the, uh, I don't know. I would go back and thrill Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, thrill hit. Yeah. <laughs> Give him the day of a lifetime. What's well, like when, when a dog's getting put down? You just got to give him his best day, you know, <laughs> like just drive him around, show him all his favorite spots. And then, and then yeah. at the end, he gets show him all his down. favorite races. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> here you go. And then you put him down. No, I mean, I think if, if anything is being said here on this podcast tonight, it's that we need to think about the best way to take care of Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, meat shoes. <laughs> Yeah, um, so Screaming Hand says, looks like you dropped acid, watched some TV, assimilated a Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim commercial into a shoe commercial. Either that, or you're the next incarnation of Leonardo da Vinci. Enjoy your newfound fortune and fame. It's, yeah, you know, the, the, the thing we all know Leonardo da Vinci for, creating footwear. I mean, yeah, here's the thing. I, if, if this was put at me today, I would be like, I, I, I don't know if I would believe anyone. Mm. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is ridiculous enough, but also everything is on fire and nothing makes sense anymore. Like, we could we could whip up a uh, a, like a mid journey or an AI generated Hulk Hogan meat shoe design like that. We could do it so easy right now. Somehow we've exited the the realm of like the earlier incredulous nightmare of the internet to now it is just like. We have this IV drip of the strongest hallucinogens oh. of artificial content that's going to last until we lose our minds forever. Like, that that's 100% true. The other thing I was thinking about this is that this is really kind of ahead of its time with, like, internet irony fucks. The, the idea uh-huh. of this, like, at the time this came out in the mid-2000s, this person saying this, like, 
we were all just a little bit more credulous, I think. Uh, and now mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing people do as jokes, say this kind of thing as a joke, and we'd immediately clock it as such. Like, oh, this person's just shitposting. This, this only could have happened in the mid-2000s, Meat Shoes. Yeah, this is now, also one of those yeah. things like the Zyborn clock where if Kickstarter had existed, someone would have tried to make this a reality yes. back then. Like, yep. And you've mentioned Zyborn clock so many fucking times, and I have not ever Googled it. Oh, and I, when I do, <laughs> yeah, brother, I don't like I just don't know how I'm going to handle it. Like I I'm not going to do a look until we do the episode on it, but that'll be a whole it's separate special. Thing. Yeah, because I yeah, because that's one of the that's one of the Mount Rushmore ones. That's one we're saving for someone big because it is going to be very, right. I have a couple high profile people I think I might be able to get on for that one. So yeah, I'm very yeah, excited. But yeah, that's going to be an all timer one. That's huge. Yeah, uh, I envy yeah. you learning about the Zyborn clock. It's so uh, yeah, you'll, I guess apparently it's one of those things that you only fucking learn once. So <laughs> Um, is that how works? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I yeah. I've lost a lot of a lot of people in my family to Alzheimer's and dementia. So there's a lot of things you can learn many times. So <laughs> so yeah, people like you mentioned, like people are immediately just kind of like supposed to. Yes, you are completely insane. Who the fuck eats warm beef jerky? I do like so, Gary. Since you mentioned rolling with it, someone actually does go through with that. If you can read John Carlos, yeah, yeah John Carlos says, "I have those shoes." They were white with some yellow stripes. I used to wear them all the time and roam the streets, slyly grabbing bits of jerky from my feet mid-stride. Uh, <laughs> mid-stride is, is a very funny image to, to just pop in the head there. It's just yeah. like slyly grabbing. You like jump in the air and do the beef. Sonic Adventure pose, but you're grabbing the meat out of your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or like the thing that uh, runners do when they stretch. You pull your, your shoe back behind your butt and then you grab a... A sly piece of warm jerky. I don't even know how to just keep the, it warm. <laughs> You're just walking on it constantly. Like It keeps it flat, I, I assume. So if you want to pound your beef jerky into like a butterfly steak of some okay. kind. I had a dream once where I, I needed inserts for my shoes, but I just put uh, like full McDonald's hamburgers in my shoes. Sure. And it like kind of pummeled them into like a nice soft pate. That was like not terrible, right? And then the like the next day or the day after, I saw an image on the internet of a, a three-legged dog standing on three uh, hamburger patties or, or McDonald's hamburgers, and it w- came to me with the same energy as like a dark premonition. You know? <laughs> so <We're> told. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I feel like there's something to be said about uh, like what if you food? put it in like one of those sous vide bags. Ooh, well, you know, it's, like if you could like pass it, heat, yeah, yeah, right. He, heat is heat. heat. There is a limit to low and slow. You have to get so slow to cook that low. Uh, like you, you haven't seen my feet. Yeah, they, they, yeah. I got hot feet. Yeah, hot feet. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I thought that was something that only happened in cartoons. I have to wear shoes in bed because they glow, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll keep me up at night. <laughs> It's like when you're a teenager and you hide your weed in the GameCube compartments at the bottom and the heat like cooks it and makes it really good, except with, with me. <laughs> it's very similar. Although I will say, although I will say, I know like Genghis Khan uh, and like the Mongolians, that was a thing they would do is they would put raw meat under the saddles of of their their horses. And then as they rode, the the salt from the sweat and the pressure of them sitting on it would cure it and create like cured meat. So this is actually something that humanity has been trying to do for a long time is find a way to to turn travel into like a passive way of preparing meat. Holy shit. You know, what I'm saying is Genghis Khan was the original Hulk Hogan. Oh, he's out. God bless him. I'm, yeah, I'm hearkening back to my substitute teacher days. I'm 
I'm like going to the history classroom, turning the chair around, sitting on it backwards. Like, hey, you know, you guys might think Hulk Hogan's cool. You know, it was really cool, Genghis Khan. That is the kind of thing that you eat the fuck up learning from a teacher. Like, yeah. if I do a substitute teacher and a teacher told me, yeah, like, oh, yeah, Genghis, Genghis Khan made, like, you know, gooch treats. Uh, across the steps like i would have been like fucking hey this is the best class ever it gets constant jerky yeah just yeah, to, eat your heart out dan carlin yeah <laughs> the, the, uh, oh man uh taint jerky i i don't uh i do think that the one thing that touches on is i don't do shit when i walk like i'm not producing power i'm not producing food i'm not doing anything like it, it, you know and that's a good thing but venture capitalists if they ever got a hold of it they would weaponize the my locomotion to make something like uh, Soylent that would just come on my side, like Robocop's weird, you know, baby food spigot yeah. he's got. I mean, that's truly, like, that is the, the that is like the midpoint between us and a Dyson sphere. Yeah. Where we harness all of the power of the stars. We just have to harness all of the power of, like, walking around Pe- and stuff. People are walking around We just around, have to wear, standing. like, the, it's going yeah, to we have to wear the exosuits from, from Stalker. Except it's like a reverse exosuit that harvests every little kilojoule of our energy. It's very similar to the Matrix, except we get to walk around. Uh, you know. Yeah, I always thought that was funny with the Matrix of like, how do you put it? The whole idea that um, that we would be used as batteries when as processors we would be like way more valid. But I just think that it's impossible. It would it would have been like harder to get people on board with the idea of using us as processors or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's just what I've read. Yeah. So I guess, so I guess going on uh, the Finn, who is one of the moderators, um, <laughs> Winslow, if you could read this one, you want some of this beef jerky? Yeah, I'm starving. Where the hell did you get it from? My shoes. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Uh, I'm also curious as to what's going on with the Finn's, uh, uh, avatar here. Cause it appears to be like a Rastafarian soy Jack with an AK wearing some sort of red shoot and shirt. And with bright red lips, seems to be drinking or playing a Vuvuzela. I don't know. There's just a lot going on there. When I see, I don't know, whenever I see, like, cartoonish depictions of anybody but, like, a white person, I'm always just like, all right, where's the hidden 88 in this? Yeah, especially when, like, this works very obviously, like, a drawing of a white person that has been recolored to make them a different ethnicity. Like... I don't. I don't remember that much about the Finn, but I do remember them as like a moderator. So I'm sure. I'm sure there's something off of moderators. <laughs> yeah. have a long I, I don't know if he was racist. I do remember he was a cop on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so there are um, there are two posts here. Um, so I want Gary, if you could read the first one, and then Winslow read the second one, and then I'm gonna I have a fun little explainer to go into. Uh, yeah. It's gonna be really add an extra dimension to this episode. This is by uh, Farticus Rex, uh, which is the the tyrant fart, I think, in Latin. Uh, it was not Hulk Hogan. It was a comedian whose name escapes me. He kind of looked like a thin David Crosby, but it was a fake commercial, possibly on SNL, of the broiler. It uses the heat of your feet to cook the meat. At least that was the tagline. Kind of like a thin <laughs> David Crosby. Is this uh, just like a slam on Daryl Hammond? I'm trying to think of who on <laughs> SNL could have been at this time who could be described as a thin David Crosby. Um, let me Google who what David Crosby looks like. Because uh, I know Bill Cosby and David Cross, but I don't think it's... <laughs> well, if you can imagine if they had a baby, it'd be one of the guys from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. It would be... Uh, okay. Like something like yeah, a more homeless no, Santa. Uh, like he, that guy looks like uh, somehow he belongs in prison and a prison abolition group. You know, 
but I mean, he's got a twin who pickets for his Alan, release. He just died. Oh yeah, yeah, the Cross man. Huh. The uh... good for him. Finally got out. <laughs> yeah, I also don't think David Crosby is so fat that uh, you need to describe a, ver- a thin version of him as a thin version. Uh, there, it's just a bald. Yeah, guy. I feel like unless it's like, well, the, yeah, it's like saying 90s. like a, I don't know, like a thin Joe Biden. It's like I, <laughs> I don't know, man. He's I think it's right. Joe Biden. I don't know. I don't yeah. know that he's that yeah. needs to be you mean described like a supernaturally as thin Joe Biden, like a, a right, like a, a slender ju- man, yeah, like a jump scare streamer game, like Joe exactly. Biden's pages in the forest. You had to go collect all of his his different pages. So he doesn't come out and get you in the rest stop. Also, before we move on, I want to say, I think Farticus Rex is what uh, John Wilkes Booth shouted when he jumped off the balcony after he <laughs> shot Abraham Lincoln. And then blasted a massive fart to, to jetpack out of the roof. <laughs> yeah. He just farted and shot through the roof off back to his home planet. <laughs> yeah. And it was the bullet that came down and accidentally killed Lincoln. Yeah. It was just a, a fart-related mistake. He had too much meat heating up in his asshole, and it, it shot out. Fart-related mistake <laughs> is a great band name. Oh, my God. It's so close to Hoobastank. Yeah. Do, do, uh, if we're all, we're all roughly like our 30s, we're in all the same age. I'm 42. I'm, I'm, maybe a little I'm 35, older, and Winslow's a couple years younger than me. So, so like, yeah. it, it is a trajectory, I think, where you get uh, less information about your farts as you get older. Yeah, I felt like when I was young, I could, I knew what was coming, you know, and now I don't. I, it's either, it's not like I'm constantly shitting myself. I'm not confessing to that on a podcast. What I'm saying is that I'm, I have no idea whether it's going to be fine or awful uh, until I'm already in it. And I feel like I used to be able to kind of predict that. Is that universal or is that just me uh, losing touch with the man downstairs, so to speak? Uh, I think, I think that's on you, but I will say... <laughs> That I drive all over the country and my warning system uh, for needing to piss goes from like, hey, man, you should piss soon to if you don't piss right now, I'm shutting this whole fucking thing down. Like I'll, I'll need to piss for like a couple minutes and then like. Uh, just some hidden internal clock ticks over the Zyborn clock, if you will. Uh, and it just, I just have to piss right now or I'm going to die. So I have an incredibly strong pelvic floor. I can crack a walnut with that fucking thing, but I need to piss strong sometimes. Mm. I don't know. Probably related. You're, you're just buff down there. Yeah. You know? you and piss when I piss, it comes out hard. Yeah. Like like somebody it's throwing like a hard bucket of water, water when you need to change your your water yeah it water all, it, heater. It, it's a shotgun like a slug like it all comes out at once exactly you know yeah <laughs> he just pees once a week but he does it all at once yeah it's a it's convenient that way yeah. oh you Jay you, you're you're your nethers talking to you still. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do think that you kind of develop like a fog of war effect on your farts as you get older. Like, like you, you get less information in in warning. It's like you're, you're moving up on difficulty levels. It's like yeah, it's like it's, in crisis. How like on easy, everyone speaks English, but in difficult, they speak Korean. It's like your farts are just kind of like giving you less information, so you have to you know think more and make more on the fly yeah. decisions. Fog of war is a great way yes. to put it. Your ass is like crisis because nobody can run it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about this because this did this this is a very recent development in the story that I feel like didn't spread as far as I thought it would. So uh, this you know this is 2007. A poster here, Mr. Hefe correctly points out that this sounds like they're describing Bruce Baum. And wouldn't you know it? 
Um, say hello to Bruce Baby Man Bomb. So Winslow, as our resident work oh painter, God, I'm going to let you guys. David Crosby. Uh, is, oh, that is a skinny David Crosby. Shit. I mean, he's got a little bit of a love handle, but he's otherwise in great shape. But I'm also like, anytime a white person gets a tan, I'm like, you look fit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, boy, howdy. It's a very simple image, but there's just so much to say with this word painting. Um, this is an album so, cover, by the way. So, Album cover, blue background, uh, kind of a misty blue background at the top. Uh, an underlined, almost like a neon sign, says Bruce, quote, baby man, uh, bomb, is the whole thing. And it looks very uh, sleek, very 80s. Uh, and then in the very center is a golden brown, uh, very much balding man with long hair. Uh, he's got a long, uh, tapering mustache. Uh, fairly good build on the fella. Um he is nude except for an enormous diaper. Uh, that is uh, very much, he is like a, a large baby man, an all as day the title diaper. would suggest. This is, this is a long uh, An all-day diaper, so yeah. This, yeah. One is, uh, this one is for, for maximum floodage. Uh, he's also got a very glistening uh, rug of chest hair that sweeps up over his traps and all that. It, not to interrupt you, but his stance, he looks like he's like a Dark Souls yeah. character creator. Yeah, like he's, he's just standing there. Combat like, stance. He's yeah. about to, he's like ready to swing a club at you. I dare you to knock yeah, baby absolutely. down. Uh, and at saying. the bottom, between his uh, between his legs, it says "Born to be Raised," which is uh, the name of the, his comedy album. Yeah, this is a cover of his his comedy album, and he, yeah. he's I'm also, not against it. The, the facial expression, I think, is important because uh, it with the stance, it's pretty confrontational. Uh, I think. Yeah, he does look like he's ready. You're not like this is a him. combat stance. Yeah. yeah, he's like, "What are you he's, looking at?" Yeah, you you don't get to leave. He's saying. You know, or like, uh, you know, you don't get to come in either or you shall not pass or you shall not leave. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he looks very dour. He kind of looks like a sad Gallagher, you know, <laughs> uh, AKA current Gallagher uh, or yeah. current pre-death Gallagher, uh, <laughs> recent Gallagher. Uh, yeah, he's got a sad Gallagherness to him. Just very shiny. Yeah. Somebody missed it up real good. And yeah, and I will yeah s- this is a man ready for violence. Yeah, and with his with his baldness and his long hair and his mustache, he kind of looks like me if I didn't have like corn syrup and microplastics growing up. Like he is like just like a very like an fit eighties like much more fit eighties version. But yeah, so I looked him up. So this guy Bruce Baum, he's an eighties prop comic who was a big part of the eighties stand up boom, and he was friends and peers with a lot of bigger stand ups from this era, like Jerry Seinfeld and stuff. You could find pictures of him with them. Uh, he was in Last Temptation of Crust for all you Simpsons fans out there. Oh. Uh, that's a uh, by the way that picture is from his website. I got some pictures from there. It's very. I'm going to include a link in the show notes because if you want to see like a very good deep fried website made by like an eighties <laughs> comedian, check out Bruce Baum's website. It is very compressed and very very you know so many jaggies in it it's wonderful and um here's another image from his website that i want to show you um this is one of his recent dvds <laughs> oh boy. graphic oh. design is very clearly his passion oh, oh it's okay. from laughing hyena There's, of course of course <laughs> yeah so i mean okay we i okay this guy got <sighs> a, a balloon animal base magician how, how is that okay, not the so case in the there's like so much to be said about this exact thing of like what is making it in comedy and like people set their sights on like the most incredible possible things to acquire, right? Like they consider making it to be like a John Mulaney level of comedy where you're just like completely funded by your, 
every uh, by touring your national name you're a celebrity like that's their goal that's making it but in reality is is like you can make it on like a very humble level like you write a book or you do whatever and you're able to tour with it and tour with your comedy and tour with your album and stuff like that uh, and so there's a lot of different ways that one person can be you know said to have made it in this world um and it's it's just very funny to look at this DVD cover which means that this guy has an, you know, this is obviously going to be one of it's quite the a media few. format of tomorrow. For a long time. Yeah, the, right. Uh, but he's been doing this long enough, and he has enough material to put out a DVD, regardless of its quality. That says something. Yeah, like the like, that's, that's true nuts. Of, that's true of all arts. Like he's like a working mag- musician. You know, like in right. your town, there are people who just play at bars four nights yeah. a week and make a living like, at it. We're going to do more of a deep dive into it, but yeah, but he's, he's still working. Like, he's doing podcasts this year. Like, he is someone who still is out there and, like, doing comedy and everything. And, like, he obviously he never hit it as big as some of his peers. But, yeah, this is someone who never really stopped working. And he still seems to be kind of doing the same thing and having fun with it, which I think is pretty admirable. Like, we're going to look more at his comedy. So, I'm, I'm going to, you know, whether or not we like it is one where it might be a different thing. But I think I think he's a very, he seems like a really nice, like, sweet old guy. And, thankfully, we're going to talk about some stuff. But, luckily, I'm going to, I'll tell you up front. Unlike the fact that he is his age and he isn't on the cancel culture grift or anything, he just seems yeah, to be yeah. keep doing like his goofy, his goofy humor. Like, good on him. Like, I, I, okay. I, yeah, he seems wholesome as hell. I, it's just weird. It's hard for me to think of a, a prop comic. I think is good. Yeah. Like what's the, what's the, what's the, what's every, you know, go up to 20 people and be like, well, who's your favorite prop comic? Uh, and, it's like, yeah, they can, they generally can only say carrot top, right? Yeah, carrot top or Gallagher are the two. Uh, and right, they both right. suck for different reasons. Uh, speaking of cryptids, uh, you, you, you folks have seen Carrot Top recently. I know that it's just him in shape, but he does look like a cryptid to me now. It's weird. He does. He, yeah. Yeah. Buff Carrot Top definitely has cryptid vibes. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, I wish he would stop. <laughs> I need to like get him out of shape as quick as possible. I don't like I a bench pressing carrot. While we're talking about Carrot Top, to, to kind of self-promote a little, I did a video where I watched this documentary from the 2000s called Heckler that was made by Jimmy Kennedy. And a part of it was him meeting with Carrot Top and reading negative reviews of his movie to Carrot Top's face. And it's so depressing. Carrot Top seems like a really ni- neat, nice guy in person. And this is him just like reading the most mean stuff. And Carrot Top is very visibly like saddened and upset by this. And Jamie Kennedy's like, what do you think about that, man? What? And he's like, well, I don't think that's very nice. And it's just yeah. like <laughs> Jamie Kennedy just completely not realizing that he's just rooting this guy day for no reason yeah people don't always understand that uh you know like as your creator sometimes you have uh defenses and systems about that stuff like you don't always want to immediately know what someone says about you just because it's about you because sometimes you have to work to like not hear that shit i I know like we at duck feet are are huge cowards about that stuff and have huge feel bads about it yeah I, i eloped in uh january to vegas and we stayed at excalibur which has big castle parts and not only is it uh, the only place where there's like a very well defended Buca de Beppo uh, that has crenellations and everything, uh, Carrot Top had uh, in an adjacent thing had some kind of residency. So it was probably the most defended like Carrot Top, muscular Carrot Top in a, a castle from Rampart uh, is a real life thing that happens in the southwestern United States. And that's a that was a hell of a sentence. It's it's nuts. It's it's a real fucking place. Um, he didn't see us, luckily, or I would have been dead. He would have maximum overdrive. <laughs> Like, arm wrestled me into oblivion, and I wouldn't have arms. And Now, that is a Fallout dungeon I want. Like, some prop comics, like, oh. palatial estate that has been taken yes. over by raiders. A bunch of joke weapons and <laughs> yeah. stuff that you can use. L- yeah. Like, like, like the fun house in Max Payne 2. Like, that would be yes. so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Hire me, Bethesda. I always just think back to the, um, 
the weapon in what is it Fallout Three? The rocket launcher, I think. Uh, no, the it's like the the chainsaw. Oh, not the, on, uh, Yeah, and it, it, they called it the man opener. I mean, I just <laughs> laughed so fucking hard when I saw that. Yeah, always love a good pun. I'll shout out. And Gary has written some very funny books. One of them is a is a Dark Souls parody, and then there's a weapon called the Day Drinker, which is one of my favorite like fake fantasy sword names ever. That's so funny, like oh, as a pun you. and also like as a legitimate fantasy name. Just the Day Drinker. Thank you, thank you. It works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so, so so moving on with some more of another sampler of Bruce Baum's comedy from his website. Uh, musically, Bruce is also a, he's a novelty musician. He is a, he's done comedy hits such as Marty Feldman Eyes, Don't You Wish Your Boyfriend Was Bald Like Me, and Californication Ooh. from the Red Hot Chili Heifers. Uh, oh. I know that Gary has a very long <laughs> story history of hating the Spicy Sock Boys, so I had to bring up that this guy has done a Red uh. Hot Chili Peppers parody because, like, <laughs> I, my I main not? thing was wanting them to have more songs about cows, uh, and now yeah. that it's about cow fornication, more fucking them specifically, because yeah. cow fornication still contains fornication uh, in its entirety. Uh, there, so yeah, I don't don't care for that. Um, yeah, also here, I'll just pull I'll just pull up his website so you can sample some of this wonderful uh, some of his web design here this is very fun criminy oh man <laughs> criminy oh. p bruce Baum has appeared as himself on the simpsons oh that's outdated info twice he's so fucking thrilled yeah <laughs> there's a picture of him with robin williams in the background like he's worked oh. with jay leno like all these people um so on his website, a partial list. He's been on Hollywood Square. Like he lists everything he's been on. This is someone who, oh, like, yeah. you know, no shame on enjoying your success. But this is someone who's very much. Uh, yeah. Oh, the adventures know. of Baby Man. <laughs> what kind of adventures yeah, Baby does Baby Man, Man, was, Man get into? <laughs> Baby Man was a whole character. Like that was a, a, he milked that for a, a, he got a lot out of Baby Man. Oh, there's a coloring book for Baby Man. How do you <laughs> he, think he this wrote, guy felt when he realized like this was a, a fetish? Like I, there was always been, there's always been adult, you know, adult babification fetishing, but the internet made it more known. So this guy in the eighties probably didn't realize like, Oh, people masturbate to this. He's just like, Oh, it's a man and a baby. Isn't that great? A man in a diaper. Uh, and or, then he had to grow up and go online and be like, Oh shit. Like, what if that was this DMs. thing the whole time? And this was just his way of getting to indulge it's, in that. Like, like how, um, like how Andy Kaufman had like a, had like a lady wrestling fetish and would be like, yeah. Oh, look, I'm, re- I'm wrestling ladies Wonder is Woman. a joke. Isn't this funny? And then we'll have, yeah. he had like a huge boner. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Somebody should look into this. I got to figure out whether baby man, uh, baby, baby became a baby man. Yeah. Um, also, so, um, let's see. So, so I'll go back to the doc there. Um, there is some bleakness while I dug up his stuff. Um, he had a Kickstarter that he wrote, uh, that he launched. I'm going to open up here. So let me go uh, open that up. He launched a Kickstarter. This is when I was a little worried, because I saw he had a Kickstarter for a project called Clear My Name. And I was like, Ooh. uh-oh. So what? If, but thankfully, no, it turns out he's just one of the many, many people that Jerry Seinfeld has ripped off and slighted at some point in his career. So another reason to like Bruce Baum is because fuck Jerry Seinfeld. And so this is another he's a, he's another person who has been gone through with that. Mm. So unfortunately. Um, so anyways, the reason why I'm bringing up Bruce Baum is because on August 30th of 2022, he uploaded this old comedy sketch to his Instagram uh, this has been, I'm a lost media person, and apparently this was something that had been lost media for years. Like, people on Reddit had been looking for it. This is a mirror I uploaded to our YouTube channel. I'm going to play the video right here, because this is, this adds a whole new dimension to all of this. Here's our boy. 
So it's Bruce Baum. Hi, I'm Bruce Baum. Oh, Every smart okay. distance runner knows the importance of replenishing the body's nutrients. That's why when I train, I wear the broiler. Mmm. All you do is take your favorite piece of pork. My favorite beef, piece of pork. <laughs> or a nice okay. Fish, put it in the patent it's, tray. It is a commercial. The broiler uses the. Uh, well, it, it is. It's very much him. Uh, running around and it's in a commercial for the exact thing that was uh, described uh, in, in the original post. It is the broiler, the Hulk Hogan meat shoe, um, except he just looks a lot like Hulk Hogan. He does. Because he's got the, the yeah. really, uh, you know, tapered mustache and all that. The headband? The, that, and he's bald. Yeah, that is what's so magical about this. First off, the Hulk Hogan meat shoes are real. And secondly, as soon as you watch this, you can immediately understand how, like, a little kid watching TV in the 90s, homesick from school, would mistake Bruce Baum for Hulk Hogan. Because, yeah, I looked up, and apparently this was a sketch that aired on Saturday Night Live in 1992 as part of their, like, you know, their digital commercials. They're like commercials packages that they would do, where they would, like, have little sketches comedians did. Yeah, colon and, blow and shit. Yeah, yeah this red. was one of those, the broiler. So that is... All this time, people thought it was he was just making it up, but it was a real thing. He really did wow. see this on TV, and just through the power of, of you know through the power of, of human memory, misremembered it as being Hulk Hogan and it being beef jerky. Also, it makes a lot more sense that it cooks raw meat instead of it keeping beef jerky warm. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that adds another very funny way of surreality. Just that 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 corruption on it. So, I, I'm yeah, still wrapped around the axle on take your favorite piece of pork. I don't think I have a favorite piece of pork. Am, am I, I alone in this? One. Okay. And I keep it in the freezer. Oh, <laughs> that's the way to make it last. That's a legacy <laughs> pork. That's a that's that's gonna get handed down to your family. That's not for eating. Yeah, it, it, it is very funny that like I, I just remember the, the the experience of finding out that this was real, and it it was just it was very much like a, a dream coming true in like the most literal sense yeah. of the word. You know, like it was just this thing that I was I had eluded me for so long and now i see that like it, it was like it was like the 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 pokemon diamond thing it was like a premonition being brought to bear you know yeah reality actually makes sense i i know that this podcast is the whole conceit of it is that we're just like talking about shit that people don't remember or whatever but i i thought about hulk hogan meat shoes off and on since i was a kid because it was just like what was that? Mm. Like, could it, it, it? This was my cryptid. This was the thing that got away from me because I just had no idea that it was a real thing. And son of a bitch, it's real. I, it's it's just that's a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah. And like my thing is, I never questioned that it was real. I just assumed the person was making a joke and everyone was rolling with it, or that they were shit posting. I didn't. The fact that it was actually real makes this even. It makes it way better because yeah, that's just what a fun story. It makes me want uh, someone to try it. And I hope that that's what's coming up, is yeah, that in well, the original thread, somebody builds a prototype in their garage. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going like to get to that eventually. But oh, I will yeah, say, baby. Let's, but I will let's say before that. we move on, one of the things that this just kind of give me like a small existential crisis, because like my whole life I've written off prop comedy because all I've heard is that it sucks and it's terrible. And then it turns out Hulk Hogan meat shoes, a thing that I think is very funny and is I hold very dearly to me, is has its origins in prop comedy. So I was like, wait, does prop comedy actually own? And I just never gave it a chance this whole time. So I looked up some of Bruce Baum's old stand-up comedy, and unfortunately, no, it, it you know, but I want to show you just a little bit of his stand-up, just to give you an idea of what were what his normal comedy is like just only 30 seconds don't worry i'm not gonna torture you well, how you doing 
Yeah. Well, I guess I'm Bruce Baum, and uh, I want to tell you, I've been doing some work in my laboratory, and what I've done He's is holding I've a recorded the sound of flies making love. I would have brought pictures, but they fog up the jar. You can't see anything unless they're pushing their butts up against the glass. And uh, I know. Then it's just those four pink dots. Unless you got another fly and you're going to play Bunky Bingo. I say bag the idea. Bunky Bingo. That's what it kind of sounds like. The flies are making love. All right. I know you couldn't understand that. So what I did... I slowed up the speed a hundred times, I dumped the bass, I pumped the treble, I left the mids just for you guys like them. Some jokes for Steve. I'm giving each fly seven <laughs> shots of vodka intravenously. <laughs> At the clinic they said I was mad. Oh, he's one of those guys. But this is actually what it sounds like when you can understand flies while they're making love. So yeah, that's uh, okay. Ooh, huh? Yeah. Hmm. One, what's funny is that he's like this bald, and he's like got that long, curly, you know, Diogenes looking ass hair in the back. He looks like a seventies uh, football player. <laughs> but he's also this guy's probably like thirty two, maybe in this. Also looking out to the audience and just seeing like a, a whole bunch of like suburbanites that are just here because they just googled comedy tonight. And they're there, and you better have something fun, and you better not offend them. So, somebody and gave them tickets. They were walking yeah, by. Yeah, like, they won show? tickets on the fucking radio. Yeah. Or, like, their boss has, like, 12 free tickets every yeah. week. Because, like, they, you know, but you get there, the thing is, is that uh, they have, like, a two-drink minimum. And the drinks are, like, they start at, like, $12. Yep. So, yeah, it, it's just, like... It's very funny to me because I'm, I, you know, I, I do, I am a stand-up comedian, but I have not gotten on stage in a minute because of a lot of different things that are going on right now. When, Winslow, but, as a stand-up comedian, how much of your set would you say is uh, related to you telling the audience, listen, I just got out of the loony bin. I'm crazy. Uh, I'm real see, weird. Like, not like, no. You're one of those but, guys? Like, there is an aspect of that that is not like completely... Insane because you heard, uh, like I'm from the loony bin, I'm crazy, right? And I get obviously that is literally what he said, but in like the technical terms of how that joke was structured, it was, uh, it was a little tangent to draw your attention away from something. Mm. Um, and so what he was doing was just like bringing you into a more inner joke while like playing it a, a little deeper. Like if you want to see that done like in a really masterful way, uh, like Kyle Kinane is kind of the expert at that where he will start a story that is like really interesting. And then he will go off on a tangent that starts dull and then builds into something else. Yeah. And then, uh, when it, he will eventually come back and you go, Oh fuck, I didn't realize that we were still in that same story. Right. So like that, that's done at like the, the most he, he's incredible a, way. Yeah. He's, I, I'm a huge fan of Kyle like in the the kind of self-deprecating stuff that he does reads a lot truer I, I think what it is is what you're assigning to that that makes it feel different uh-huh. where like Kyle is just like I look like this and I have this kind of lifestyle and it's all pretty plausible uh it's very specifically it always feels a little hacky to me to be like I just escaped the crazy house um you know right, it's a, right, it's right, a specific right. so it's more like it's not about the technique so much as like the subject matter of the technique the Dr. Demento style, they're coming to take me away. Ha uh-huh. ha, you know. Yeah, Ooh, saying you're crazy, it's one of those things like asking what drugs someone was taking when they made something. Where it's it, just it's, like, that's, yeah. Yeah. What are we even doing? Yeah. yeah. 
I, I will say before we move on from Bruce Baum, I did have, I tried, so I, I reached out to him, I because he seemed oh. pretty approachable, and unfortunately I didn't hear back from him, because what I was hoping I could do was, I was hoping we could, like, shit talk prop comedy for a while, and then I could pull up a clip of him, like, scolding you guys for insulting him, and have him say, like, a fun, <laughs> some fun duck feed references, like Mombasa, or Who is Zoo Dog, or something, uh, but well, unfortunately that, that I never heard back me. from him. I, it would have been funny, but I, I also would have crumbled up into an envelope. Exactly, the, the, yeah. They uh, crumbled up into a paper ball and thrown myself away. It is the worst <laughs> feeling when when something like that happens. We we covered a game once and we like we didn't like it. And we weren't mean, but we didn't like it. And then the developers like, oh my god, my favorite podcast is covering my game. And then uh, I got that tweet and I didn't do anything. I was like, oh. oh. And then Ooh. like two hours later, they just tweeted, oh. And uh, it's one of the worst Aww. I've ever felt. Oh yeah, no, I don't mean it's like a serious thing. I mean, I have to no, imagine no, if you're a prop no. comic, you you know how people feel about prop comics. Like, I'm sure you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't keep act being an active prop comic without having a sense of humor about it, that. Doing and, it as a joke would not have would have wouldn't yeah. have. I would have recognized it was a joke, but it's Good, just yeah. yeah, it's it's an effective it's a, joke. So at least it's a funny concept. At least, and you know, yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't get I couldn't uh, get in touch with him. But, you know. but anyways, just thought I'd mention that he's not on cameo. <laughs> Ooh, darn! I didn't think of checking that. I could have. Oh, that, leaving okay, money on the table, Bruce. God, it, it's very funny that there are so many people that are uh, free on Cameo. Free on Cameo is very funny. I love going yeah. to Cameo and sorting by cheapest. Uh, yes, Just very in much. general. Like, for a year, I got coal Cameos for different holidays. And just, they were all, because uh, they give you a little pull-down list of reasons you can give somebody a Cameo. And I think Pep Talk is the funniest one. Uh, and you do pep talk and be like, hey, Cole, I just wanted to reach out on, to you on this Arbor Day. I know because of circumstances you missed it, and it's really important to you. Uh, I was on Australian American Ninja Warrior. My name is Lady Ice, and uh, I'm really sorry you had to go through that. And just that being the kind of thing that shows up in your in inbox 12 times a year, I think is very funny. And it cost me like $6. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so I, cheap. Uh, prior to the, the cancellation... Um, I had a, a, a thing going where I mailed a picture of, um, Kevin Spacey to my buddy, David Kausgard every week for like an entire year. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, every single one of them was like signed with like, as if he had sent Kevin a, uh, a, a request or like sent him like a question or something like that. Um, uh. And so they just got like increasingly more deranged as the the uh, days went on. So uh, yeah, it, it did not age well, but it was still a funny joke for the time. Very, with anybody else, that's a, I mean, it's still very funny. And with anybody else, it would stand the test of time. But you never exactly. know who's going to turn out to be a spacey in this horrible hell of an earth. Yeah, you know? I, I I like to think that. All right, here's a, a totally side question. There are guys who, when they're in the bedroom, they like they are like super uh, intimidated by a woman that likes to use toys because they're like, "How am I supposed to compete with like the Vibrator Nine Thousand or whatever?" Uh, and then there's guys who are super into it. Um, do I, I'm just gonna assume that prop comics are just into like <laughs> toys, right? Yeah, they're just into props in all parts of their life. Yeah, just props of everything. They're yeah. into propaganda. I'm not just a prop comic. I'm also a prop eater, a prop lover. You prop know? lover. I passed several prop propositions lover. down at a uh, town hall. Yeah, I, I mean, well, it's like, it's, I think these things come in cycles. You know, it's like how burlesque came back is like a sexy thing. Maybe prop comedy can come back as like a sexy thing. Like, you know, you go to a... I, 
Well, no, I, I just think that like prop comedy is, is not like on its face. It's not a bad thing. Like there are definitely some uh, qualifiers that I would have to say about like musical comedy that make musical comedy uh, kind of different. Like, especially if you have a chorus that is just repeating the same joke, you yeah. really have to like make some strides to make that continue to work as the bit goes on. Right. Um, but I I think that like there's like nothing structurally wrong with prop comedy. Structure, I have not seen yeah. anything that really like appeals to me. But the, the on difference its face, is it's not. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. the uh, The difference is if it being done live. I think right. So like uh, the Hulk Hogan meets shoes is funny. Um, those Saturday Night Live commercials are funny. There's a bunch of Tim and Eric things that are just products. You know that are uh-huh. props. That I think are Very funny. Good comparison. Yeah. You know, and and that's all that all works, but it's very different than having a guy come out on stage and like show you the thing and then have to sell it. Like that feels uh, a little bit different. I don't I know. I don't know. I think that like they both have the same capacity to be really weird. Um, hmm. And I like in a grand sense, like one of the funniest. I guess I wouldn't necessarily call it a prop. I mean, like you just have. I, well, okay, this is a big thought, but. If you expand your mind to like, okay, so what is uh, a prop? The Rockwell Turbo Encabulator video is technically within the realm of like a prop comedy. It's just not necessarily a prop that you can pick up. It's just like, I guess that would be like something more about like the scenery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the, my favorite videos ever because it's like so exquisitely acted. Um, if you haven't seen the, the Rockwell encabulator video, just give it a search. It's, it's a very, very funny little satire made by like a very high end machine company, Okay, <laughs> you know, not made by a comedy group made by like a very serious mach- like machining and like technology company for some reason. I don't know the story behind it. Maybe it's the context um, in terms of like stand up versus sketch, right? Like, that, yeah. that, like that sounds like it has, you know, has acting. It sounds like it's a scene. There's a concept and such to it. Uh, so maybe it's yeah. a thing where prop comedy and sketch works better than prop comedy and stand up. You know? I, uh, I saw a comedian recently who her whole act was, uh, she was talking about like when she lost her virginity and how terrible it was, uh, because she was it sounds just hilarious. like, yeah, I, I just, it's well, I'm kidding. No, no, I think she's she's new, so I, 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 you know, she was it was fine, it was fine. I, I, I wasn't there for the the full thing. I was I was busy writing my set because I went up next. Um, but I did catch bits of it, and uh, one of the things that she did was uh, she actually had uh, some sort of medical thing where she was just like straight up too tight to have comfortable sex, and so she had to go to a gyno who gave her like a whole series of dildos to like stretch out her uh stretch her out basically mm-hmm. um and she or her whole joke was just like punchlines based on the different sizes as she goes up and like conversations about them and like going forwards and backwards and stuff like that that is within the realm of prop comedy and it's just that's still funny yeah i yeah. mean it it worked i th- like there's nothing inherent to like having an object on stage that's like this cannot be funny you know it's one of those things maybe where like uh you can you can engage in props without being a prop 
comedy, like similar to like how they might be giants, write some novelty songs, but I wouldn't call them a novelty band. You know, like there's an identifier that comes with a Carrot Top or a Gallagher where the proportions are different, you know? So while it's not inherently unfunny to have a prop or, and there are exceptions in a general rule, focusing like a career, like an identity on it is, is, has historically not worked out well and has associations. And I, you know, those uh, medical dildos are fascinating and funny. Like that's a big thing uh, in the in the trans world as well, and a, uh-huh. a doctor doctor giving you a prescription bottle of dildos is great. Uh, I I think that's funny and good. So yeah, I, I don't think I, I disagree with you. I just I, the association does feel like a general truth without being an absolute truth to me. Yeah, so, in some ways. So in, my, in my local in my local open mic, once a lady brought her her mom's ashes on stage and scattered them. Does that count as prop comedy? Do you think? Or <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a funny thing, but it is also very much prop prop comedy. I don't. Know, I just think objects are funny, and like you know, uh, whose line is it anyway? Growing up, my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, type of scene that they did was uh, props, where they just had like weird objects, and they had to think of different things to do with them. And like, I, I don't know. I I I think that this. I'm I'm not saying this ironically. I think that there could be like genuine innovation within the field of like different things that can be done in the realm of, of props. Yeah. Like, like, I, it's, I'm not the guy to do it, but I think that there's absolutely room for it. We, we need like a Spider-Man turn off the dark of prop comedy with just like all this technology the and body count. sets and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the body yeah. count. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think what it might be too is also is it's like, is, is the, is, is it that the prop is funny or is it that you're funny and you're using the prop to be funny might be a part of it too. Cause like if the prop is funny, anyone can just plop the funny thing on stage and get laughs. But if you're using the prop to be funny, then it's like, maybe that's a distinction too. Like, like not to toot my own horn, but like the, one of the few times I've done an open mic standup was I came up and I was wearing my old Carvani uniform and my opener was about how I just gotten fired from my job and I couldn't tell who it was. But that you probably saw them on the news, and that got some laughs. So, like, just something that works. Like, if you're if it's like your clothes, or like people, I see a lot of comedians do like they'll use like the mic stand to pantomime stuff or whatever. If it's just like oh, yeah. regular stuff you'd bring yeah. with you, I can kind of see as opposed to like the preparation that goes into it. It's and, like, like a spectrum. Yeah. Moving on, just, just just throw a bone to all the '80s wrestling fans out there. The goons talk about uh, Yokozuna sushi sandals and Rowdy Roddy Piper's poutine pull-ups. I just wanted to shout out some more of those wonderful <laughs> wrestling jokes. As I'm somebody who doesn't watch wrestling, but I'm just aware of it through nerd cultural osmosis, so I can appreciate jokes like that. And you know, you know, it's fun. Yeah, you grew you grew up in the idea of a Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, a wrestler. Uh, my buddy, I was when I was in Memphis the other day. Uh, my buddy was showing me some wrestling video with a uh, one guy whose whole thing is that like he's very fabulous and gay, and I think he actually is a gay person that is also wrestling. And the guy that he was wrestling, his whole thing is that he's just too cool to wrestle, which is such a funny juxtaposition. And so like he's legit like wrestling this guy with his hands in his pockets, like he's just like completely nonplussed the whole time. <laughs> Which I like, I don't know, like that. I I get why my dad hated wrestling growing up because it was during like the Raw is War era and it was all super violent and extreme. But like, there is an inherent silliness of 
a lot of the modern wrestling stuff and like the characters you're building and how silly and, and over the top they are. I don't know. Like I, I, it's not something I ever go out of my way to watch, but it's also definitely not something I have any desire to criticize. Cause I, I just think it is, it is fun. It is just a, a good time with a bunch of big guys doing flips and stuff. The character yeah. stuff is super fun. Like I, yeah, I, wish I appreciate, that. I appreciate his performance art, and it is like it is tend to be very wholesome. Yeah, it's very funny. Like in the '90s, as a kid, like wrestling was seen as this like super immoral, scary thing, and now it's basically like openly just kind of children's entertainment. Where they're like they'll have like openly gay wrestlers and stuff, and it's just like kind of just aside from Vince McMahon being like a horrible person, of course. But like you know, Concepts the wrestling itself. Yeah. I went and saw some uh, amateur wrestling once with my my friend Brayton because uh, his cousin did it, and it was mostly like pretty boring because they were just guys. You know, they didn't have concepts. But two of them, uh, one was an old-timey 20s dad with a smoking jacket. And uh, his whole concept is when he was down on the count, uh, he had to get out his his flask of daddy's medicine, and it gave him, like, super strength. Uh, and that was really great. And then another guy uh, was uh, apparently in a bigger wrestling league who had dropped down to this. And I was like, what's up with that guy? Uh, to my friend, he's like, oh, yeah, he's put, he used to be part of this trio of vampires. <laughs> like, hold, hold the fuck up, man! Like, why is he? He just gets to fight with everybody. Is this Mortal Combat? Like, why? Why is uh, this monster? He's like, I don't know. Uh, and that was, but it, the, the the a lot of them were just guys. I wish they were all those big costume things because that's that shit's super fun. I yeah, that's why I love like lucha wrestling because it's like, oh yeah, yeah. that guy's a dragon. Yep, uh, they have right. little, little little concepts and stories and like same thing with uh, Japanese pro wrestling. Well, yeah, like just to be a total self parody, there's a Japanese wrestler that's literally like an eight foot tall inflatable panda costume. And he has like yeah. a wife and kid that are also people in giant inflatable panda costumes. And it, I love it. It's it's best when not taken seriously, I think. Yeah, we're having fun. Very, yeah. And sort of sort of a sort of wrestling adjacent. Someone mentions how when they were kids, they didn't have uh, they had Mr. T waffle slippers instead. And they had a picture uh, like this was like a very weird children's product. I remember they would just make like slippers that had like hard plastic figures on them, which kind of negates the whole purpose of having soft slippers in the first place. And just like, yeah, just this like very unflat. There's like eight weird eight. It's kind of like how Halloween costumes used to be just like a, a bad mask and a poncho. Yeah. Like shoes used to be uh, like that. Like, We'll just put yeah. a, a person's head on your shoes. It's the same thing that uh, cartoons of the time did with their motorcycles, too. Like the Ninja Turtles would drive a motorcycle that just had a big Ninja Turtle face on the front. Uh, and just having these shoes, the same thing. I had Ninja Turtle versions of those. I forgot about those things until this exact moment. It's weird. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it's like That's another reason memory. why Robocop's like one of the best movies ever. They don't give him like a Robocop mobile. He just drives a fucking Ford Taurus. It's been yeah, yeah. Black. <laughs> it bottoms out when he's leaving the garage. I'm so excited. There's like a huge documentary about Robocop coming out later this year. That has like a bunch of new interviews and stuff. I'm very excited for it. That's awesome. I'm going to have to watch that for the first time. Ah, oh, gotta watch Robocop. Yeah, I, I, I did watch the scene where he, like, shoots a, like, dude after dude after dude after dude in the dick. So oh, yeah. I might be there for that, you know? Oh, yeah, that's, that's the best scene of the movie. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that very real scene that happened. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. And so uh, the, the OP Logan uh, kind of comes back after this joking, kind of clarifies. Mm. Ahem. Okay, so I have come to realize that these shoes probably did not really exist, and this whole thing was more than likely the product of some fever dream I had when I was six or so. On the drive home from work today, I was thinking about making a fictional documentary about the man who made these shoes, his struggle to push the product into the limelight, and the emotional turmoil of failure. The opening scene will be the very low-budget infomercial that he's made for the shoes, played out exactly how I remember it from my childhood fever dream. Any input is how I could develop this idea. 
And I just kind of included that because I know we're, we're in the age of product movies. Like, you know, we just had like Tetris, Blackberry, Flamin' Hot Flamin Cheetos, Hot. Yeah, yeah. Nike. So, like, I could see like the Dewey Cox of product movies being like the Hulk Hogan Meat Shoes movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm wondering where this is going to end. You know, like yeah. the. Because with everything, there's just going to be like increasingly stupid variations thereof and so like tetris air jordan blackberry flaming hot cheetos like and barbie i get well no not barbie um but the mcdonald's one too was also kind of like a, a hagiography of 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 mcdonald's and all that um there's gotta be a bottoming out point where we get to the stupidest possible thing that we could have done here and I'm wondering what brand it will be. And it's got to be something that, like, just did not have that much cultural cachet at all. But they're just, like, they found the cheapest possible people that they can use. And they get, like, oh, God, what is... What okay, so I here? might actually have an answer for you here. This is, there was a movie in 2008 called Proud American. I remember this because it was shot in 35mm and IMAX. And the, the thing about it was that it was funded entirely by corporate sponsors. And it was presented as like this like family-friendly <laughs> anthology movie. Except towards the end, the last two anthology bits are about the founding of Walmart and Coca-Cola. So you're watching this like... This very, this very like expensively made, but very like emotionally hollow movie about like the American dream and people working to to, to make it. And the last two are just straight up ads for Mastercard for like uh. Walmart and Coca Cola, and it has product placement for like Mastercard and American Airlines. Like, and the best thing is, it bombed horribly. It only made one hundred thirty one thousand dollars on this huge lavish budget shot on like IMAX. It's one of my favorite weird fiascos. It's kind of amazing that it hasn't been like rediscovered and dissected by like the YouTube essay economy. So maybe that's something I'll talk about in the future. Because what a, what a weird and wonderful product to come out of that that whole period. Wild that it has an average rating of three and a ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is low, but not as low as I would think for Proud American, uh, the the movie about the founding of Walmart and Coca Cola. Um, that's wild. That's yeah, no. So, so that's the nadir, which 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 the current wave is going to have to read. I do think in general, like that's I think that's where it's going to end. It's going to get too self indulgent or too self, or too promotional, and then it's very obviously just going to just going to collapse. Hopefully, I mean, a girl can dream. Yeah. So another thing they bring up is um a poster talks about these these reef uh, how this company reefs makes sandals with bottle openers weak compartments and flask built in I live in Florida so I'm aware of these but like, luckily even back in my drinking days I was never so desperate I was like I I'm gonna ch I'm gonna chug some shoe some shoe alcohol you know yeah I love to keep my whiskey incredibly hot uh, that's in my shoe <laughs> didn't Carlos Mencia have a sketch where flip flops had a knife in the front. I mean, there's always a chance that somebody else did, and Carlos Mencia just took it. I think there was a Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> another another thing ripped off by Carlos Mencia. Yeah, I, that's that was such a funny little time where like Carlos Mencia was like everybody is like claiming that I stole from them, but I swear to God I didn't. And then like it must have just hit a critical mass where he's like, "Fuck it, yeah, I steal from everyone. Who's gonna stop me?" And then they canceled his show. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the one that blew up was him co was him stealing an old Bill Cosby routine, which like how how do you think how bad how much angry do you think he is now? He's like, oh man, if I'd only held on a few more years, nobody would have cared about that. Like <laughs> a, a true let them fight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when it comes to that shit. It's just like, what joy do you actually get out of this? 
you know, like you're 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 not doing your own material. You're not telling stories. Like I I truly believe that the people that are into that, that like stealing material, um, it's it they just it's it's we are doing comedy for two utterly different reasons, right? We, like I mean that that's a given, right? But like I go up there because specifically getting people to laugh at like exactly what I'm saying. Like I've said it is, is like the best, right? I've said it before that whenever I hear a comedian uh, use a very specific word or phrase, I am much more invested in that joke and I love it a lot more because I know that that is something that has survived the review process. And they, that is the thing that they're saying is exactly the way that they want to say it. And I like that. Right. Um, because, you know, as with journalism, you need to break your comedy down to like the most uh, accessible possible fucking level so that it can work in white rooms, black rooms, old rooms, young rooms, all the different rooms. And if, you know, and if you don't do that, maybe you're not doing it right or, or whatever. But when you see somebody who actually goes far out of their way to make a very specific thing work, I think that's just funny. You know, I just think it, it's it's a, a, a sign that they're doing exactly what they want. You know, I imagine Men- Mencia lost the lost that, but didn't want to lose his job. Like not saying you have to hand right. it to him, but like it seems like a story of somebody who fell out of love with what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and it, but it just in the world of that specific career, instead of going into an office and phoning it in, got to have things to say. So you start stealing things to say. Yeah. I also think that writing is a very fucking hard thing to do to consistently write, um, especially to write in like a, a the same kind of voice. Because like, what if like for me, I uh, if I had to sit down and write a full novel that would be really hard for me because I have the ideas for like a lot of short stories. Right. And so imagine if you're like writing sketches, but like the only ideas that you have are things that would need a lot of fleshing out that wouldn't work on a sketch show. Or maybe you're just like having a fucking dry spell in terms of ideas. It's just like the pressure to create is insane. And then further, like as a society, we don't allow people to off ramp. You know, like it's, uh-huh. it's it's not it wouldn't be possible for somebody like Carlos. And I'm not trying to have to hand it to him. Right. Like not trying to devil's advocate too hard, but we don't allow somebody to be like, yeah, I had uh, my passions changed. Like I am just I'm no longer I no longer have this spark. I'm no longer interested in it. That's not OK with us as like people, you know, like uh, I think about that a lot in terms of music um, with like one hit wonders. Right. Like that is a uh, a subject of a joke. Like it's kind of a derisive term. But like, I don't know, you didn't fucking write take on me. Maybe that's all they had, but that's still awesome. And there's not really a path for that. You have to, you are now a musician and this is what you're doing. Maybe there are people who have like a really great album in them and that's it, you know, mm-hmm. and they, their, their, their interest and, and passions and talent move out on, but we just don't, we don't really make that work for people. Um, I will say, I think with Carlos Mencia too, I think obviously I thought about him a lot. Cause I'm like, a, I'm a comedy nerd. Like one of my podcasts is all about like, you know, 
it was all about like reevaluating the show Louis and like talking about Louis C.K. being a sex monster and stuff. So I have a lot of like thoughts and opinions about this. I think with Carlos Mencia, I think too is his thing is also his whole thing was just like cynically doing whatever it would take to make money. Like he pretended to be Mexican because he was like, yeah, if I if I pretend to be a Mexican guy named Carlos Mencia, I can do this lazy, easy racial humor that will make me a lot of money. And eventually, at some point, you have to realize stealing jokes is easier than writing them, and I'm getting away with it. So why not? It's like how a lot of street. It's like how a lot of extreme couponers actually graduate to just becoming shoplifters because eventually you realize it's like you're just getting a rush out of the like, ultimate coupon yeah that's yeah. the ultimate mm-hmm. extreme couponing just the yeah. five-figure discount yeah yeah that i mean that is interesting though that they just keep it just keeps coming back to that because yeah it, i don't know it, there's just so much um it, there's just so much to like keep your voice consistent throughout the entirety of the um of your career and i don't know it, it's a i i yeah i don't want to like go uh, and trip over myself to like praise the guy or to like make excuses for him. But it, it takes so much doing to get to where you are. Like, you know, to, to have that one hit wonder is just so, um, tons of work you don't see. Yeah. Tons of work you don't see. That's more than any of us will ever, uh, any of us have. You know, yeah. so, you know, vanilla ice, you're, you're you are forgiven. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's no bad thing to have empathy. I think for the mediocre who are people who became mediocre, you know, like, or people just thinking about their situations. And I even sometimes think that even if people are monsters, like thinking about the, the situations they're in that lead them to do things and make the choices they make isn't endorsement, you yeah, know, considering think- the difficulties that maybe they, they had or like trying to figure out the reason why is a very human thing to do. It's not uh, the same thing as being like, well, you got to hand it to them. Yeah, uh, it's, this like, was, it's right. the difference between being tough on crime and trying to prevent crime from happening in the first place by learning its causes. Like, yes. analyzing yeah, why yeah. people act badly instead of just going, fuck that guy, and then just never interrogating any further. Yeah, that's yeah, also you, that's, you that's, do just both. Not, that's just not good audio. Yeah, yeah, you do both. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah, fuck, <laughs> uh, you know, fuck that guy. But also, what's up with that guy? You know, you, you gotta ask, right. ask both those questions. I, I think that, like, this is, like, the, the most difficult thing to, like, expl- explain without people getting super mad at you, but like when a a young man in America is from a, a small town goes to a failing public school and gets wrapped up in like the masculinity cult and then becomes super racist or has super fucked up, stupid opinions. People assign to him a lot of like, Blame by the design of his his decisions, right? Like a, a t- the teleology of this racist is uh, entirely constructed by his own choices to be racist. The great and man it, theory it, of racism. Well, <laughs> it, the thing is, is it's just like we have created this like unbelievably powerful and reliable um, racism and like, creation yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah. Like a a, a, rec- a never ending recruitment. It was from called something every awful. conceivable angle. And to be a good man, to be like a good pro social progressive uh, person with like with accepting views, is like I, I want the the people on the progressive side to understand that like it is fucking unbelievably hard to get all of that in line. Like to to have hyper specific super left uh, opinions on every single thing because that's the thing is like there's the the constant leftist purity test of like okay yeah he is anti-cop he is this he is that like he is 
He's super pro gay. He's super uh, like pro trans. He's super uh, understands Black Lives Matter, all of that. But uh, he has uh, dated views on sex workers, so he's trash. Get him out of here, you know. And it's like it is insane to get that close by circumstance. Like imagine you have an infinite number of monkeys sitting at an infinite number of typewriters, and you get you know uh, you get a copy of of uh, you know. Blood Meridian, but it's it's called Bloof Meridian, and everything else is exactly the same. But we're like, I can't believe these fucking morons broke the book. You know, well, like, yeah. The, the the trick with that though is like, I, I largely agree with that, but I think that like the trick is who who it falls on to uh, you know to to forgive and what they're being asked to forgive, right? So like something like that, uh, it is it is not anyone's job to educate that person and bring them the last 10% over the line, uh, you know, for that. And the it's, it can't be the job of people who are affected by it, you know? So that person who has all those checks, all those boxes, but doesn't believe in sex worker rights, um, that is going to hurt sex workers. Sex, sex workers put up with enough shit to where they don't have to educate, you know, that person in general and are pretty justified in that. And there's enough comorbidities yeah, there where sure. like, other people, it is easier. Like there, there are so many problems in the world that uh, are born because we can't treat everyone as an individual. Um, we can't sit down and evaluate every person and everything about them one by one. There isn't enough time. There are too many people and we're exposed to too many people. So I, I agree with you. But then if somebody sees somebody and they're like, they say something negative about a sex worker and everything else they say is correct. And they're like, fuck this person. I get it. Like you don't have time to sit down and, and do the work to figure this person out. You know, it ends up being a thing where it's both. I don't begrudge anyone saying fuck that person. I think that there should also be a system where that person is just not incommunicado forever if they genuinely want to move forward. But I don't know what the answer is because it's nobody's job to do that. Right. Like it's, it's nobody's job, but I'm not saying that it should be somebody's but not like, job that like, you know, a system put in place to go and like redeem even, like even flawed in, men. In, a, in a less uppercase job way, like it's nobody's responsibility to do it, you know, like it, it so it doesn't happen like it, it, it because of that. Like it is a thing where we have to look at system wide stuff that we have to look at the things that create the, you know, the shithead uh, little white guys. And then also the people who are not all the way there. We have to work on those systems, obviously. Uh, and in the meantime, I basically like I, the thing I always say is like, draw your own line. Or it, if it bothers you enough that they're not this hypothetical person is not pro sex worker, that's okay. There's other people out there in the world. You can write them off, and other people cannot, and and it will work itself out in the wash. And if that one person is unfairly, you know, if it is unjust that they are maligned, despite the fact that they're 95 percent there and they're a blue meridian, um, that is a, a byproduct. That is a bad byproduct of the system that's creating all of the bad in that dude. Yeah. And, and for the record, I'm not, <laughs> I hope it doesn't come off as like me saying that I am not pro sex worker. Um, no, but, no, no. Yeah. But like, oh, yeah, yeah no. I Winslow is friends with like, so many interesting uh, sex workers on Twitter. Like it's, it's really interesting. Like I, I always love, like you, know, you mentioned thick Lizzie before, like you like to work with them and stuff, but yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, it's my thing is just like, can there be any other uh, response to someone who gets it almost right, but not completely rounding all not, the way down. Yeah. Like damnatio memory, expunging them from everything forever. And a lot of it is just like based on something that you heard once from someone somewhere. And then like, you know, a, 
a misremembered screenshot that wasn't actually about them. And then you look at the actual details and you're like, well, I guess this is completely fucking made up, you know? Yeah. By people with a grudge kind of thing. But it, it's, it's a, it's a tough problem that nobody's fixed and we're probably, uh, you know, we're not going to get there on here. I don't know, Jay, you, you sold this to me as a, as maybe we are going to get to the end of it. Uh, the, the thing, but I, I think about like, so the guy who made RimWorld, that video game, yeah. I have like half remembered Garbo man, uh, impressions of that guy because somebody said he was Garbo man. And I never stopped to investigate that. Maybe I should have, but I also, the reason why I'm not is because of volume. Like there are so many people that if somebody's like, Hey man, maybe not this guy. I'm like, okay, I'll move on to another guy. It's not just, but it's not like a thing that I can stop and investigate all of those because I'm doing other stuff because I'm overwhelmed by just infinite guys. You know, it, it's a, it, it's overwhelmed a, by infinite guys. Infi- my... Crisis on infinite dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, is, it is happening. So it's, it's, it's a really fascinating problem. I, I largely agree with you. I, th- I, I will shout out the RimWorld guy's thing because yeah. it's funny. His thing was that in the game he coded it because his, his, he had like the personal belief. He's like, well, all, all women are all women are bisexual, but men aren't by default. So he, in the game, all women are bisexual and also they're all attracted to like older men while men aren't. So what happened was women would always <laughs> end up becoming like they would end up becoming like, super depressed and spiral out because of like how that affected the relationship dynamic. So he went out of his way instead of just making the rela- the gender relationship dynamics like equal and simple he made them complicated to reflect his own personal biases in a way that made the game like actually broken like you your colony would just become un- untenable after a certain number of years because all the women would just become depressed <laughs> because of this horrible this horrible hell world he'd created for them these that, bio that truths he had encoded into them and and after people complained he took them out like, like i said i don't i never played that game out but that was just very funny to me just just this colony simulator is falling apart because this one guy's very particular hang-ups yeah, there's a he, dude's he, rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude's rock. The, earlier we can say that triumphantly, and now it can be more of a sigh. More ironically, yeah. Dude's rock. Yeah, but speaking of dudes rock, uh, I'm gonna give. This is when poster uh, Dino Zombies Go Raw uh, steps the fuck up, and you know decides if Hulk Hogan, you know Hulk Hogan meets you, if they do not exist, then we must make them real through science or magic, and they begin creating the Hulk Hogan meat shoes. So this is <laughs> they provided these wonderful uh, uh, this wonderful little travel instructions. So they start off with just a regular pair of what looks like a New Balances or something. Velcro shoes, by the way. That's a very funny detail to make the whole cooking meat shoes out of Velcro shoes. We got to get them off real quick to get the meat. Yeah. You can't, you can't waste time with laces. Need meat. Yeah. So the next picture, they're cutting into the sole with, with, a, with, um, with a box cutter labeled Stabby. Uh, the next one, they're using a hacksaw to cut all the way through it, which is, I really like this guy's work setup. Like, he's bringing out the power tools for this. It's, uh, I feel like the, the secret to all of this is platforms. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, well, you can keep your, keep uh, your beef jerky stew. with all your goldfish, yeah. Those Disco Stew shoes that have fish in them already. Exactly. You know? Those are probably getting cooked slowly, low and slow, you know? And after that, so so they, they use just a plain wooden block to create the drawer. They make it fit in there. Uh, they use a reciprocating saw to hollow out the inside of it. 
they they paint the shoes red using house paint, which is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) God, just the picture of them being painted red, just like very strange thing to see. And then the next one is them like in a beautiful golden sunbeam, you know, because now they're all like dried and ready. And it just looks like these bizarre monstrosities are ready to face the day. Like if you can imagine like a Shoggoth, from uh, Lovecraft, but it's just like having a good day. <laughs> you know, it's just sipping some tea, and it's gonna go down to the farmers market. Like it's, it, it looks like it's that. a very serene it, picture. And the the like future shoes from Back to the Future too, a little bit. Yeah, in, yeah. Like in the sunlight, the, the palette it has, it's like the palette of the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. We have like a very hot yes. dog like red, <laughs> and then a very mustard like yellow. And then they go, as soon as the paint is dry, I'm walking these bad boys to the supermarket, and then it's jerky time, brother. So we get their trip report of them going to the uh, going to the grocery store. My super- <laughs> <laughs> With the little foot out. That's very great. <laughs> yeah. And it also kind of like color matches to a Jack Link's bag. You're right. This is all the color coordination. This is very good. It even matches the sales tags, the red and yellow. Yeah. There's the grocery store there. Uh, choice of barbecue, original or teriyaki. I decided to play it safe and went with original. No point in going crazy and risking everything. And I really love how they pointedly include their, their foot, like, coquettishly poking out in every picture, <laughs> mm-hmm. showing off the whole Kogan meat shoes. Just They know what you're here for. Uh, shopkeep, your finest jerky post-haste. There's him checking out. And I found a seat in the food court and then locked and loaded. So we finally <laughs> get the moment of truth. <laughs> Rather, rather have them I and feel, not need well, them. It needs than a locking them mechanism. Them. Otherwise, it'll be misfired. Yeah, that's the very funny thing. There's nothing to actually hold this drawer, and it looks like it's just kind of like hoping that, like, like it just. It's, I feel like this is something you have to like. It would be like when you're wearing like a pair of underwear, and like the elastic is worn out, and you guys kind of like hike it up every few steps, like that type of mm-hmm. like, form. Yeah. Click your heels together constantly <laughs> uh, to stick them in. I just use an alligator clip. Keep my underwear on. Well, I'm also wearing one of those giant diapers that we saw earlier. <laughs> the, the, uh, yeah, that's going to be a yeah. new a new addition to your store. Yeah. Be quote unquote, my webcam quote unquote broke before we recorded this, so nobody got to see my yes. quote unquote giant man diaper. Uh, <laughs> that, that I'm wearing yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, we put out a lot of stuff on the podcast network, so I have to use an all day diaper to uh, to make sure I don't have to leave the recording booth. Business yeah. diapers. When you're a podcast, nobody knows you're nobody knows you're all pom- you're all pumped up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely pamped to the gills. Yeah. Pamped, pamped up. <laughs> yeah. God. I, you know what's what's funny about you saying pamped up is that, like, that's just a funny little gag, but the more I think about it, the more I realize that you are probably only able to use that language because you have seen some wild fucking pornography on the internet. Yeah. In terms of all the, the furry, weird baby shit. <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout, out to the, shout out to all our baby fur listeners, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so going forward, they say, I just walked all the way home with jerky hidden in a secret compartment in my shoe. I had some of the jerky at the food court. When I got home, I ate some shoe jerky. And I swear to God, the jerky out of my shoe was warmer and tasted better. So, wow. I mean, I've, never, I've never had warm jerky before. This is kind of making me curious. Worky. I, I, I've thrown a little jerky into a soup once in a misguided thing. Like, oh, this will rehydrate as, rehydrate hmm. as meat. That's the closest I've been uh, to this. But it wasn't body warm. You know, that, that feels different. I'm not a big jerky guy. Yes. It's a, you know, maybe you haven't had it from the right article of clothing. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe I could do like a chest pocket jerky. Yeah. Or like a hat, jerky hat. Yeah. You know, I, uh, a sizzle uh, chest that cooks it. 
for you. Yeah. I, I pull out my blade. Don Draper cigarette holder and pop it open, but it's just full of meat sticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teriyaki. Thank you. Yeah. Slim Jim's to snap it too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Doc Evil shows up, uh, you know, uh, his hand is covered in paint, which is a very funny detail. Since this person used house paint, you could totally see the red paint all over their fingers from it rubbing off on the shoe. My favorite thing about his hand being covered in paint is this was an emergency. Uh, yeah. like, he went right that day. Like, yeah. this, whole, this whole video essay is the span of about 45 minutes, and I love that. Um, <laughs> Just, yeah, and also someone, uh, one last thing, somebody actually does, like, a proper mock-up of what, of, like, a, a Hulk Hogan meat shoe design with, like, the actual Hulkamania logo and everything. And just, um, but, yeah, that, I don't think, honestly, I love Dino Zombies Go Raw's version so much more just because the fa- that's exactly what Hulk Hogan deserves. He deserves, like, this makeshift piece of shit that, like, doesn't work, that just rubs off all over your hands. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, it's a very punk rock way of going about it, you know? Like, just let the let the people make it, you know? Mm. Your merch table shouldn't have, like, your own designs. It should just be a white shirt, like a pile of white shirts, and then a pile of Sharpies. <laughs> and go at it. Make <laughs> yeah. your own shirt. I, does somebody, I, I mean, I guess don't don't spoil it. I'm just going to say what I'm wish casting into the future. Is that so, that uh, this this person, Dino Zombies Go Rar, tries this with raw meat to see if it gets cooked at all. Because uh, that was the other part of this thing. You take your favorite pork. Oh, yeah, that it does cook it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not just... They, they didn't. Rem- they didn't have that detail at the time because none of the- that's the- that. That video was lost media. It literally was- did not exist anywhere oh, until online until last year, until like a couple months ago. Because okay. it just aired on Saturday Night Live a couple times in the '90s and was never like released anywhere. Yeah, you gotta get the MythBusters on the case. Get get those two two guys who hate each I other mean, and their weird cadre of nerds and see if they can this. You could put salmon in there. Yeah, uh, it doesn't. You know. Yeah. I think it would stay in the danger zone a little bit uh, in terms of yeah. you know, not being cold. You I mean, you're like eating f- shoe, shoe meat. You're, yeah. You are already. <laughs> you, you're a walking danger zone at that right. point. Yeah, you bring the so wait, with you. Did uh, the, the most recent posts I saw on this were from 2007. The revelation of meat shoes was very recent. Um, what was Something Awful's response to the actual post of the meat shoes? That's like to the actual video. That's the thing was like, I looked up and like someone in G after, after I posted about the video on the big essay moments account, someone cross posted it in GBS and it got like less than a page. Like, that's one of the really depressing things about something awful is that they don't really talk about new stuff anymore. It's mostly just like people sitting around just kind of like doing the same, like, Oh, remember that crazy thing that happened 15 years ago, except they, they misremember it totally wrong. Yeah. Like if I'm hoping that doing this episode will help kind of raise the thing. Cause yeah, this is a very funny and cool discovery. And I'm, you know, I feel like, a lot of people would get a lot of joy learning about this that haven't heard about it. So I guess it's kind of the call to action. If you're a listener to the show and you're like, you hang out in like a goon discord or something or whatever, and you know, people that would, that would love to know the truth about Hulk Hogan meat shoes, by all means like post that video there and maybe let them know about this episode because it's, it's a great update to a classic story. It's and closure. Yeah. It's closure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like when the guy who built the zip line got in touch with me and I got to have an update about what happened to it. Like, the, <laughs> like these type of things, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting to bring like closure to people and it's very fulfilling. It's the be- one of the best parts about doing all this. I, I experienced closure by proxy, even though I didn't know about these meat shoes, like just finding out it was based on a real thing gave me a, a legitimate dopamine squirt of just being like, Oh, oh yeah. solved it. You know, uh, yeah. that felt good for me. And I'm not even, I wasn't even that invested. Yeah, so. like, like it's like a cold case got closed, you know? It's, it's yeah. like a feeling. <laughs> it's, it's like a cold cut got closed into a sheet. <laughs> and that's a great feeling. <laughs> the, uh, the, this, oh, I, at the beginning of this podcast, I, I didn't want to do this, and now I kind of want to. 
because I need to see if it cooks it at all. Like I, I'm sure it, it really doesn't, but it's like the meat would be different in ways that I think science needs to know. Uh, and I, I think I have an extra pair of shoes. Like it is, it is vaguely tempting to me to try to cook the food. If you do, like, the that's the thing that you, like, wear to a live show and then just, like, halfway through, just casually, like, cross your uh, legs and just pull, like, Richard Stallman just eating meat off your foot. Yes, <laughs> pulling a sandwich out of a random bush. The, um, <laughs> yeah, except uh, yeah, on stage. Uh, the uh, I did an old podcast called The Pitch where we, we came up with bad projects and we did only one live show and it was for, um, like, edible flatware. I can't remember the pun name we had for it, but I made a bunch of forks and knives out of jerky and fruit roll-ups to try to like eat with it on stage. It would be like that, except I would be able to obscurely hide it in my shoe, a discreet carry on in places where they don't allow food. I don't know. I'm sold on this now, <laughs> like sneak into movies into it. it. I mean, it isn't that hard to sneak stuff into movies. Like I snuck one of my rats into a movie theater once. Is, like... I do. I do just put things in my pocket. <laughs> there's, there's really no sneaking about it. Uh, you know, We're, we're at the end of the document here, so I know we have about 12 minutes left, so it's going to be kind of our closing thoughts and our wrap-up. So yeah, that's a that's the story of Hulk Hogan Meat Shoes, a fun idea that didn't exist, that became reality, and then turned out was real the whole time. We just didn't know it. So what a fun little twisty-turny rare bit of uh, a rare bit of closure on a show that most often ends with, and then the mods close the thread and everything ended. Sorry. <laughs> this is going to be a trite observation because you guys have been doing this podcast for a while. But the, the thing about something awful is that, like, obviously it was full of messy idiots and a lot of toxicity came from it. And it, it it's bad you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, but it was also you get enough, com, you know, computer literate nerds together and you do get these very magical ephemeral things like this. It reminds me of when I first was on something awful, uh, going to the essay Lopedia, uh, the, the thing where you could do random uh, mm -hmm. words and stuff that they would do and just like reading about shit I'd missed. Uh, and it, it has, it is for as much as it is, has some cesspool like qualities at certain points, it is a culture, uh, like an interesting culture that is fun to look through even just academically or anthropologically, even if you don't endorse. Definitely. And I feel like this is a part of it. Like I mentioned, I feel that's kind of missing a lot from modern. Just that, that willingness to go out there and do something weird and silly, even if it maybe makes you look a little goofy or undignified, just because you know, it's going to be funny and we'll get a laugh. And will be interesting. Like, I feel like now if something like this happened, people would just like, that's dumb. You're an idiot. And just like call them like lame. And then like, you know, and then the, the mods would have to close it because someone like posted their address or something. Like, it would be so ephemeral. Like somebody could yeah. do this stunt, like talk about it and then make the stunts and then shoes and then go to the store and stuff. But it would be like a TikTok that maybe did okay. Uh, and then people would forget about like there wasn't this sense like there was a sense of legend to two parts of uh, something awful that I think is kind of cool. I just think that that's like the, the whole heart of this podcast is to kind of like get the lore on those legends and yeah. like to, to explore some of those earlier things. And like half of the fun is going into things that I was familiar with. And the other half is going into things I've never heard of in my entire life, you know? Um, and I, I, I do think that like one of the core parts of experiencing old internet was that, uh, you know, well, one, we were younger, right? So our experience of time is very different, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think also the culture of the internet now is just so insanely fast 
like in in two weeks, people anybody making a, a, a joke about like billionaires getting crushed in a submarine that's going to be like hack. And yeah. if you look at like early memes, it's it's like uh, what's what's the Moore's law of like computing where it's just like every two years everything doubles, and it's we're just getting into these like hyper fast uh, memes and hyper fast like pieces of dis- discourse uh, that don't get time to I don't know gain presence and gain like permanence you know um, because right now we're we're just everything is just recycling every every twenty four hours yeah everything is consumable. I, th- right. I think the yeah, closest equivalent to uh, to Hulk Hogan meat shoes I can think of in modern internet. Do you guys remember the King's Hand on Twitter? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the closest thing where someone was like, "I had a dream about a disc called the King's Hand where someone baked." It was like it was like M and M's cookie dough filled with King's filled with Greek salad baked in a glove, and so they had actually made it. And it was just like this. It was a very sim- funny imp concept. It was funny to see it realized and people appreciated it. So I'm glad that this type of thing could still proliferate, even in the modern internet economy. Even if, yeah, maybe it won't last a long. I still feel like people reference that every now and then. Like, that was a funny thing. And, you know, there's, there's, still, there's still wonder in the world if, if people are willing to put themselves out there and, and, and take that risk. The other thing that I think is, is uh, makes this podcast a good idea and makes something awful worth thinking about in this way is that, like, like I, you know, uh, is that... We're not, you know, the degree to which we're far from the harm that such communities created is arguable and an interesting discussion. It's not so immediate that it's just in bad taste, right? Like, it it takes a, it's, what it's doing, I think, that the cool thing about looking at something awful and taking it at least, like, semi-seriously like this, is that it's taking this very complicated space, which had to be, based on the number of people there was in it, and not reducing it down to the leading to 4chan and furry harassment, all these horrible things that it did also not excusing it, just finding the, the weird ass things. And we're far enough away from that first bit to where it doesn't feel unsafe. Like there may right. be things like Hulk Hogan meat shoes that happened on 4chan. Right. But that would, that, don't do that podcast. That fucking sucks because those people are still out there being monsters and hurting people in real time. Uh, something awful is safe. It's quarantined to the past in a weird way. Yeah, we have a lot more context for it. And and that's also one of the reasons why, like, I'm glad that we have that kind of distance to it. Because, like, the few times I talk about contemporary stuff, I've had to do, like, corrections. Like, I'm, like, little ones. But, like, yeah, sometimes when stuff is unfolding, you don't know everything that's going on. And you get this more, whereas this, there's more distance. Also, also, there just isn't as much, like, interest in that. There isn't as much coverage. Because I feel like, you know, 4chan, like, you can go online. There's an entire cottage industry of people just, like, reading Wikipedia articles about, like, 4chan harassment campaigns or whatever. Something like this where it's actual original research that a lot of, some of this, a lot of stuff is behind a paywall, too. Like, a lot of this is in the archives where people, and another reason why I want to do this is because, like, we don't know how long something awful is still going to be around. Like, we've had, like, yeah. multiple scares of it shutting down just at the time of this show being made, like when the imager purge was happening or like, you know, so that's one of the reasons I want to do this. Cause like we could all wake up one day and something awful could just be a dead link. And it's just like, well, sorry. So I want to capture this while I can. So we have it there for the future. Cause like, yeah, like I'm, I'm like, like I've mentioned this in previous episodes, like I literally get to talk to like, there's like an academic who is writing their, um, they're like a, they're like a PhD candidate who is writing their 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 thesis on something awful and masculinity and the internet and stuff. And I I'm, I'm going to be cited as a source because like I get to be oh, like yeah. their, right. their, their code talker. I'm like walking through here and being like, oh, yes, let, let me tell you about Barnacle Jim and his long face. You know, yeah, just yeah. giving them all the context for these conversations that they are approaching as an outsider. That's super cool. 
It yeah, really it's, is. It's, it, yeah, a great. This is this is where I say this is a great idea for a podcast, uh, which I could have said before. But uh, I, 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 I mean, the fact the that you came podcast. on, it would be very funny if you came on and thought it was a horrible idea. We're like, I'm yeah, gonna be this real, is where guys. I say this, this whole fucking, thing. This, this fucking sucks, sucks guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, it, why are you it doing makes this? no sense. Me doesn't choose. Um, <laughs> you know, I know that. Uh, the uh, no, it's 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 a fun thing to take seriously, or at least like semi seriously. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's that's part. Yeah. I think that's part of our presentation too. That we're not just reading stuff, and we're not just like, look at these morons. We're actually like kind yeah. of trying to engage with it in good faith, but also kind of like think about it. And yeah, and like you said, instead of just not going like, and that's and that's what that's why January sixth happened because of the whole thing yeah. we choose. It's kind of like it's it's right. funny too because part of the reason why uh, the podcast is interesting to me is because I was on something awful. Like that's how I met Cole. That's how I have my career. I have. But I also did not participate in GBS or uh, in FYID or any of the the big public shitposting negative spaces. I just like I'm gonna look at some games and some comics and podcast, and that's it. So a lot of that stuff was entirely news to me, and it feels like uh, it just again I, I said this before, but just restating it like it's giving something awful credit for being complicated, which anything this big has to be complicated. Yeah, like the majority of people who use something awful used it the same way you did, or like a lot of people just straight up only used it for the Let's Play form and had no idea about yeah. any of this other stuff. So that's that is one of the very fun things too is people who are like it's like when you find out about like a neat shop around your the area you live that you've never been to before. It's like people are learning more about these places, and I feel like that connection. Like people come here for the nostalgia, but then they stay because they actually learn interesting things. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy to have that. And also because so many people kind of got their start on something awful, it makes me happy that I can have like people that who are you know people who are I, I was work I, I enjoy. Like they're interested in this as well, and it's I'm I'm really pleased. You know, we're, 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 we've been doing this for over six months now. This is like our twenty. We just put out like our twenty seventh episode, I think. And yeah, it's I ha- we literally have years of episodes already like kind of planned. Like I have out like uh, just a huge spreadsheet of topics. So we're not going to run out anytime soon. And I'm oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> knock on wood. Yeah, yeah very cool. Uh, yeah, but thank you, thank yeah. you again so much. So since we're down to our last couple of minutes, this is your chance. You have, you have, by all means, plug self promo do. Uh, sure. This is your time, Gary. If I were smarter, uh, the books you mentioned earlier, you'd be able to buy them. But you can't because I'm bad at marketing. But you can listen to my podcast. Uh, if you go to duckfeed.tv, you can see everything we have on offer. Uh, we do have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash duckfeed.tv. Release a bunch of stuff for there, but we also release a bunch of stuff for free. Um, podcast about video games and Dark Souls, uh, Breaking Bad, The Venture Brothers, Dungeons and Dragons, X-Men, uh, all kinds of stuff uh, we talk about. And uh, it's real fun been doing it for a while uh i think there's probably something there for for most people um and uh it is a blast you can find me i i kind of stopped tweeting because the uh, of elon musk who i don't like but i am uh gary butterfield Wait, dot, yeah yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> well listen we gotta go um the, uh, oh man that perfect timing for the uh the stream window to close <laughs> I just feel like i got kicked off the call like well shit uh but i am on a uh, blue sky gary butterfield blue sky social which is kind of invite like, awesome awesome i'll have to add it here yeah there's there's 40 people on there uh all saying the same stuff it's not quite twitter yet but you don't have to see uh that cisgender is trending and then click on it and just see the stupidest thing you've ever seen in your fucking life uh you don't have to do that so you can follow me on there if you like yeah, and um, speaking of the stupidest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jay Branster. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't cut you off. No, no, no. That, that's it. I just uh, follow Jay as well. Thank you. Uh, oh. And you know me. I'm uh, Winslow at Winslow Domain, and I'm on Instagram at Calculations. Uh, probably should have said this at the start, but um, the card game is like 
hit uh, the card game I'm making, uh, if you've been following along, is at uh, version 4, and it's all printed out and ready to go. And if you want to play it, you just go to my website and download it and print it out yourself. It's all right there. If anybody knows how to get this game on BGA, on Board Game Arena, or on anything else, please, for the love of God, let me know. Um, BGA was asking for like three to $5,000 to get my game on their website, and I don't have that money. Um, but uh, yeah, if you could give me any, any uh, pointers on that, that would be, that'd be really cool. Um, you can always uh, message us on everything, you know, iftipod at gmail and on Twitter and so on and so forth. And uh, that should do it for this week. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. I'm from the Internet is created by Jay Brandstetter and Winslow Domain. Edited by Steve Brown. Music by Steve Isbroke. <laughs>